0: KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City. KRXO Claremore, Tulsa. A product of Tyler Media. Reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, TotallyTickets.com presents the franchise Oklahoma City Thunder first take postgame show on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa.
1: Two games down in the bubble. And unfortunately for Thunder fans, Oklahoma City drops the second game today against the Denver Nuggets, 121-113. to It was a slow game, slog of a game. A lot of free throws were shot, but the fourth quarter got really fun, really interesting, and then... Really tragic for Thunder fans, and then it went into overtime, and it got worse, but you are listening to the Thunder First Take post-game show on 107.7 The Franchise. Brady Trantham here alongside Mr. Matt Burton producing for us, and I am also, we are also joined and graced by TV's Jerry himself, Mr. Jerry Ramsey under house arrest. Jerry, everything happened as just like you've been wanting it to happen. Shea Gilles Alexander, no Dennis Schroeder today, so SGA in the first half. Nothing, nothing to write home about. Couldn't get to the rim, couldn't score, got in foul trouble, and everything was looking like, yep, Jerry Ramsey has been right this whole time. And then the fourth quarter, he exploded. But unfortunately for Oklahoma City, they just didn't have enough. Uh, it's, they seemed gassed. They didn't have enough into uh, overtime.
2: Do you want to know what the fun part of this game is? First of all, a 3 o'clock tip does nothing for me. This was It was weird. For me at all, on a personal note, as a guy who covers the Oklahoma City Thunder and follows them uh, very closely, it was hard for me to play Mr. Mom and Dad and follow this game uh, in the way that I usually do. I like to sit down, I like to take my pants off, and I like to drink a beer and watch the game. And, and, And then sometimes I don't go to the peak. Sometimes I have to watch it at home. But today, I had to listen to it on the radio as I'm driving around. Well, you know me. I like to really know what's going on in the game, so I used my Sirius Radio application, and, and that's what it's called, right, when they use it on your phone, an application? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I
1: think that's what the kids are still calling it these days. It okay. hasn't been banned yet. That's all I know.
2: So I went on the uh, Sirius Radio application, and I had the pleasure to listening, listen to the first half with the Denver Nuggets uh, home call. Guys, and I'm talking to you people listening right now, if you complain about the Oklahoma City play-by-play coverage, my goodness, you have not heard the Denver play-by-play. <laughs> it was it was tremendous. It was a bizarro world I was listening to. And uh, I was like, wow, it actually happens on the other side of things. But from the story that they were telling, um, it seemed like a pretty close game, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, nobody could really get an advantage. The only thing that we learned was, Michael Porter Jr.'s back problem that he had in college is probably going to continue in the pros if he continues to put the nuggets on his back the way he did through this entire game. I am not bearing the lead at all, Brady. A career high, and I want to say I don't have it in front of me, is it 37? Yeah, thir- high, 30. 37
1: on 12 of 16 shooting from the floor, 4 of 6 from 3, and he hit all 9 of his free throws. He was incredible.
2: And not even talking about his uh, rebounding. He rebounded the ball incredibly well. 12 rebounds for the kid. 12 to 16 shooting? Are you kidding me? Michael Porter Jr. was incredible. Probably the better of the two players in the AAU uh, team that he played with, Trey Young. I mean, just absolutely incredible. And that's that's where the first place uh, that I noticed about this game is is that uh, they had no answer. The Thunder had zero answers for Michael Porter Jr.
1: Oh, no doubt. And this game, like you said, you kind of pointed it out. One of the more weirder things about it, 3 o'clock tip-off. It just didn't feel like basketball anyway. But there's a lot to unpack with this game. And a lot of it even started before the game even tipped off. So let's get to that real quick first. Then, Mr. Burton, I want to get your thoughts on Michael Porter Jr. Because the whole time we're watching this in the fourth quarter, we're just going, like, look at him just backdoor cut on poor Lou Dort. But... Obviously, like we mentioned earlier, Dennis Schroeder left the team. He left Orlando earlier this morning for the birth of his second child. So he's going to be without. He's going to be away from the team for the foreseeable future. We'll get to what that could potentially mean, how long he could potentially be gone, in a future segment. But also with Denver, they had their own disadvantage of not having. And write this down: Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Gary Harris. So each team was dealing with a lot of adversity. But Denver, at least early on offensively, uh, answered the call. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. got started early. The Denver Nuggets got to the rim with ease. They scored at a high efficiency. And then it was the complete opposite for the Thunder. They could not, they didn't even want to try to get to the rim. Uh, how much of that it was just because SGA was now initiating the offense, I don't know. But I mean, Matt, it was incredible early on just how out of sync Oklahoma City looked turning the ball over. And it wasn't just, you know, a handful of some role players here and there, it was Chris Paul turning the ball over a lot.
3: Yeah, no, I think uh, Chris Paul. Chris Paul had back-to-back turnovers um, for what seemed is it like the first time in his career? Maybe yeah, this, this it, had at to least be at Oklahoma City. It was he had back-to-back turnovers, and I remember thinking, I don't remember him ever doing that in an Oklahoma City uniform. Um, so a little bit uncharacteristic from Chris Paul tonight. Um, but yeah, th- that second quarter, that second quarter, just ice cold. Could not buy a basket. Um, but, but yet they go into half up one. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, you play this bad, you can't buy one for the majority of the second quarter, and you're up one. That's a good sign of things to come. And it just, it, it never really got going, especially in that overtime. Camp. Yeah,
1: it's, it's such an odd game for Chris Paul. Like you said, the Thunder led at halftime. They won the second quarter. They led going into the fourth quarter, winning the scoring in the third quarter, 30-28. to 28. A lot of that was because Chris Paul just said, okay, the offense just doesn't have it. SJS in foul trouble, and he's not hitting shots. He entered, uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander entered the fourth quarter with eight points on one of six shooting, but we'll get to his fourth quarter in a little bit. So the onus was on Chris Paul to do the brunt of the scoring, and he certainly did. At one point, he was eight of, I believe, 14. He ended up eight of 17, but the efficiency was there. He was hitting the mid-range jumper. He finished with 23 points, but those five turnovers, and they it wasn't just a case of Denver making good plays. They were just a lot of sloppy turnovers, but Jerry, this has been kind of a, a, a growing theme with this team. I don't really want to go back and tally up all the turnovers this team had in those three scrimmages, but when you consider they had 21 in their win against Utah the other night, they had 15 tonight they have 36 so far in two games all those turnovers in the scrimmages now kind of seem more applicable, and we talked to Billy Donovan after the game, and he said that's the main thing that they need to clean up
2: now you look at uh, what do you say? And uh, in, in during the scrimmages, a couple of things he wanted to uh, deal with were turnovers, obviously. But whenever you look at that in the scrimmages, you think, okay, well, I mean, they're just sort of trying to, you know, play with things that uh, they might be able to get to work in the regular season, and we're in the regular season, and silly fouls, and uh, you know, you want to talk about man, a free throw shooting. Oh contest, my gosh! But, yeah, what? I, actually i might agree with some of the home broadcasting thoughts on the officiating just a tad just just a tad i might i might say well you know what you, you, you kind of have a point but to get to your point about the the turnovers it, it it it's just sloppy and that's all it is it's not sharp and some of those are uh you know the sga ones Whenever he's not looking to take the shot and you know, not being aggressive and look, I'm the last guy in the world needs to pile on the guy because I've been saying that all season. It's just there's certain times when he looks like a sheepish young player in the NBA and not this stud player that the Oklahoma City Thunder have. So um, it's just like I said, indecisiveness and you need to clean that up. Saying all that, the much the most clutch player in the NBA has a shot to, to ice this one. It just blows a free throw. Yeah. So I don't know if we're having this negative you know, view of things. We're wiping our brow going, whoo, got away with that one. So it really is. It's one Chris Paul free throw away from being, ah, oh, he got away with that one, too." man, they got to clean up these turnovers.
1: Yeah, and that's what I wanted to get to next was that fourth quarter because the Thunder at one point, and this was, of course, without SGA, he didn't play until, what, the six, seven-minute mark of the fourth quarter. But the Thunder are leading going into the fourth, Chris Paul is starting to do his thing, starting to um, continue his momentum from the earlier parts of the game. And the Thunder find themselves in a position where they're just kind of going back and forth with Denver. And then all of a sudden SGA comes out there. And again, eight points, one of six going into the fourth. And the the rest of the way, he shot five of seven and finished with 24 points and was just getting to the rim. That was the biggest difference. It was just like all of a sudden he he decided, if I'm going to foul out of this game or if we're going to lose, I'm going to make it count. And he just got to the rim. He played with a lot more courageousness, I felt, than he did in the first half where he was just really trying to figure things out. Because I don't know about you guys. I tweeted this out during the game. But Matt, I mean, I'm wondering if you felt the same way. That offense when SGA was running it in the first half looked like, it reminded me of a Russell Westbrook offense where it was a lot of dribble, dribble, dribble at the high key and trying to find, like you you either penetrate, get to the rim if you can. SGA couldn't do that. You uh, maybe drop it off to the screener. Rolling to the basket, or you kick it out to uh, somebody in the corner. The Thunder just couldn't hit threes in the first quarter, but that offense with S J in the first
3: half, bad. Fourth quarter S G A, incredible. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know what happened because he was doing kind of the same thing, but he was just going by guys in the in the fourth quarter. I don't know where that was um, in the in that first half, but I, I'm I'm very high on Shea, like like everyone is, except for Jerry Ramsey. <laughs> um but but no I I think like you said we we forget that he is he still has not completed his second year in the NBA yet. This this is still his second year in the NBA. There's still going to be some of these uh some of these kind of lapses in what we're what we're used to seeing from him. He's still going to have some young moments and uh but that fourth quarter that just shows you what Like, what type of player he can be.
1: Yeah, and then like Jerry uh, mentioned a little bit earlier, Chris Paul misses the free throw that could have potentially won the game. But to kind of set that up, the Thunder are down one point. They have about six seconds left in the game. They pass it out from half court. Chris Paul gets the ball. And Paul Millsap, for whatever reason, just decides to foul Chris Paul while the Thunder are in the the bonus. And you're thinking, okay, two seconds left. Chris Paul is going to get these free throws. Denver still has a timeout, so they're going to be forced to potentially take a kind of an off-balance weird shot for the last play of the game, and then Chris Paul misses the first free throw. For the guy that's been the most clutch the player. The most clutch in the player in the NBA misses the most important free throw of the season, at least for the Thunder up to this point. Unfortunately for Chris Paul, misses it, hits the second one, tie game. Denver misses their their shot that they decided to give Troy Daniels an opportunity. Andre Robertson with the good defense to force overtime, but from that point on, Oklahoma City's outscored 12-4. In overtime, and they just look gassed, Jerry. I don't know if you kind of thought the same thing, but again, Oklahoma City entered this game four zero in overtimes, and I know that the regular season before the hiatus seems like a, a complete and other different season ago. But it, it was kind of a it, it was a really kind of it was a weird thing to see just Oklahoma City look out of shape and gassed.
2: Why is Billy Donovan co-coach of the year? Because of the clutch play of the Oklahoma City Thunder down the stretch uh, throughout most of the season. You think about all the games that they won where they pulled a close one out because of a shot going down here or Chris Paul with a great decision there and all that stuff. Well, they're up by seven, I think, with just a little over three minutes left. And you're thinking, this clutch team is up by seven. This is going to be fun. Uh, what I saw the graphic that was up, and I thought it was very interesting. Denver was the sixth. Most clutch team in the NBA, so it's not like they were playing a team that would just give it away. I don't know, like Utah, like yeah. they did the other night, so or like New Orleans did to Utah a couple of nights before that. So this was gonna—they're playing a team who was deep. By the way, like you said, missing three major contributors. Denver was and still uh, was not only in this game but ends up pulling it out. Uh, Oklahoma City has not seen the Oklahoma City Thunder play the way they did down the stretch it just it hasn't happened this season so uh yeah you're going to get one hiccup and uh man this was a huge one uh dumping the seven point lead and then like you guys you know everybody's going to talk about including chris paul uh about missing the free throw i mean just it's it's just one of those things that it just kind of happens uh in basketball life
1: and i know this isn't the most fun thing to do in a loss but we're contractually obligated to do this, so let's go ahead and try and pick a Thunder player of the game.
0: Now, the franchise Thunder player of the game, brought to you by Volkswagen of Edmund. You can go
1: a few different ways with this, but uh, Mr. Burton, I'll go ahead and start with you, and then we'll get to Jerry Ramsey's pick
3: afterwards. Okay, weirdly enough, I was going to have uh, Lou Dort as my player of the game. Not bad. Not bad. I was going to. Awful, offensively. Michael, but Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> kept scoring and kept scoring and kept scoring. Uh, so, so I wavered on my Dort pick, um, but I think Shea. I think I got to go with Shea uh, just based on that fourth quarter. I know he struggled a little bit early, um, but in that fourth quarter, he just they, they couldn't stop him from getting to the basket. Um, I thought, man, Stephen Adams just struggles with Jokic, doesn't he? It's weird. Yep. I mean, a lot of people do because Jokic yep. is one of the best players in the league. But, man, it's, it's kind of glaring sometimes whenever Adams goes up against Jokic. Uh,
2: real quick, I just want to point out to how well Lou Dort has played over this uh, over this entire season. The expectations of this two-way player who didn't get drafted to stop potentially the number one player in the draft if he didn't have a back injury. Right. I mean, that that is a reasonable expectation from thunder fans is that lou dort was going to put the uh, locks on that guy but if you really take a take a look outside a healthy michael porter jr should have been a top three pick in the nba draft and to have the expectation that lou dort was going to stop him i mean it's silly if you say it out loud but yet that's the expectation so uh i mean kudos to lou dort for for sticking in there my player of the game i mean it's obvious right this thunder team was playing at its highest level when who, Abdel Nader was on the court, the uh, the Egyptian microwave, and I don't know Whoa. if that's counter. I don't know if that's counter. Someone clockwise. should ask
1: him what it was like to play basketball in high school in Egypt.
2: <laughs> I don't know if that's counterclockwise. Uh, how do you turn that on? But the Egyptian microwave. You want to talk about a guy that's finally found his role, and I know that, and much maligned. There's a couple of guys here in the Oklahoma City market that just called this guy uh, two pounds of dog food. I mean, it's ridiculous. And his ability to fill it up and fill it up quickly, uh, I've been mighty impressed with uh, what Nader's done off the bench. And you got to give it to the Egyptian microwave.
1: Five of six, 13 points, three of four, and he hit big-time shots when the Thunder needed him during the midpoint of the game, no question. I'd probably say Chris Paul just because he was the one guy who influenced this game probably the most this side of Michael Porter Jr. because he told us in the post game he hits that free throw. He hits that one free throw. The Thunder win the game, and it's as simple as that. But without Chris Paul, the Thunder don't even get uh, into that situation in the first place, even with SGA exploding in the fourth quarter. So Chris Paul will be my... Player of the game for better or for worse. 107, the franchise. This is the Thunder First Take post game show. When we get back, Matt Burton's going to take us around the association. We'll dive into this a little bit more. We even talk a little bit about Dennis Schroeder, potentially when he could return, but please stick here on 107.7, the franchise. Sorry, Thunder fans. It was kind of weird to watch at first. Then it got fun. Then it got exciting. And then tragedy struck. Chris tragedy. Paul. Tragedy. Well, basketball tragedy. We can talk okay. about sports now, right? It's sp- sports are kind of back, at least for the I NBA.
2: Just, too soon, bro. Too soon. I, we need to find another word besides tragedy. You are That's, not the uh,
1: voice of reason. You are Jerry Ramsey. <laughs>
2: okay. Tra- never mind. Tragedy struck today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> On the basketball floor. But, you, like, like I just said, Jerry Ramsey, Brady Trantham here with Matt Burton. This is the Thunder First Take post game show. Oklahoma City drops their second game in the bubble. It's their first loss in the bubble with their second game overall, 121-113, to two-division rival Denver Nuggets. It was, whew, it, I mean, like we said, it was a lot to unpack. We tried to as best we could. We even forgot in the first segment, guys. Denver outscored Oklahoma City 50-28 to 28 in the paint, and it was like that from the jump. It was hard to watch if you're a Steven Adams fan, if you're SGA cutting-to-the-basket fan, if you're Chris Paul, yeah, I mean, he's a little, little too long in the tooth to get to the basket. He, he's the mid-range god at this point. But before we get into some more Thunder stuff, into Dennis Schroeder, of course, and what that means for the Thunder, we are going to throw it to Mr. Burton. And, Jerry, please feel free to uh, chime in here and there once once we get through these scores for the OK Operation Lifesaver as Matt Burton takes us around the association. <laughs>
0: Let's go around the association for an NBA scoreboard update brought to you by Oklahoma Operation Lifesaver.
3: Guys also uh breaking Zion's shoe fell off. So Oh, it's always something, Jerry. Yep. It is. Zion's shoe something. fell off, so just wait for that to be a trending topic on Twitter. Because <laughs> his shoe fell off. All right, we'll start off Brady. I'll, I'll go ahead and get this out of the way for you. Um the Miami Heat Lost uh, to the Toronto Raptors today 107 to 103. That's a sorry. bad matchup for Miami. I'm sorry, it really is, especially whenever Fred Van Vliet goes for 36. <laughs> just did gonna be he, t- did he have
1: another kid or something?
2: <laughs> I just think the Toronto Blue Jays is a bad matchup for anybody right now. You Do they have about, a home? <laughs> you want to talk about Bubble Watch? Look out for these brothers. Do, I mean, they uh, they got stuff rolling right now. Do they play
1: baseball and then just literally stay in the plane in air until their next game since they have no
2: home? I love the idea of maybe the Raptors playing in Buffalo. That'd be uh, the next step. The Buffalo Raptors
1: don't lose three consecutive finals.
3: <laughs> the, the Indiana Pacers uh took on the Washington Wizards today and they won 111 to 100. TJ Warren so hot right now. TJ so Warren so hot right. <laughs> 34 points and 11 boards for TJ Warren following his 53 point outing the other day. Um, Holy and this crap. one just yeah just a, yeah. a snooze fest playing
2: the Wizards without uh, Bradley Beal. So,
1: so Jerry, remind me, what did the Phoenix Suns give up for TJ, like, to get rid of TJ Warren? Can you remind me? I don't me? know,
2: and listen, I'm, I am I sound stupid when I say this, because I don't know if he was a European player, uh, I don't know where he came from, but cash considerations. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, I have not seen one bucket I think of it's cash a, considerations. I think it's a
1: former Soviet Republic, but I could be mistaken.
2: <laughs> cash considerations actually surpassed on the bench by Cameron Payne, that's how bad he was <laughs>
1: (laughs) camera Payne hit some big shots today i saw him tweeted about was that last night
2: i think it was last night whenever he was going and one mixtape when he was like going back and forth in between his legs to like go nowhere
1: and sam Uh, presti sam presti is in orlando as we know jerry and you know he was probably around somebody going i told you
2: do you remember the sam presti uh you know we had the availability and he talked about uh seeing russell westbrook in the bubble
1: Oh yeah, no. that, that that was it made it all this seem all the more like NBA summer campish.
2: Not one mention of running into Cameron Payne. He probably ran into Cameron Payne and was like, "Uh, yeah, sure, I'll have a refill of my orange juice."
1: Well, he probably <laughs> ran into him while Cameron Payne was wearing a mask. And if you run into Cameron Payne wearing while he's wearing a mask, would you would we know? Would we know? That's nope. just some tall guy. Or- <laughs>
2: Not really. Not really. That's all at all, to be honest with you. Bless
1: his heart. He became Todd Gibson and Doug McDermott, who became Carmelo Anthony Wright. Doug McDermott? Yes. Who then became Dennis Schroeder. So Cameron Payne's, you know, the draft pick, at least, for Sam Presley's stay winning. But speaking of Dennis Schroeder, gentlemen, no lady, but gentlemen. Perhaps some ladies are out there listening, because Matt Burton is producing. But ladies. But Dennis (laughs) Schroeder, like Billy Donovan said earlier during the game, left early this morning Or yesterday. I don't know. It was really unclear. He made it seem like Dennis Schroeder's child came into the world this morning or Dennis Schroeder simply left this morning. So he's away from the team. He is out of the bubble. This is an excused absence. And that's important to remember, everybody, because players are allowed to leave the Orlando bubble for any reason. But there are certain things that are considered excused absences and unexcused absences the birth of your child is one of these are one of those things that are considered excused absences so that means as long as Dennis Schroeder is out of the bubble if he tests negative for covid-19 upon returning uh, every day he has to test negative upon returning he would then have to quarantine only for 4 days and so because we're, not, we're just going to safely assume, gentlemen, that he is literally not there to only see the baby come out of his wife and then get back on the first flight back to Orlando. Let's just go ahead and do some hypothetical speaking here as I pull up my little calendar app. The fifth is the next game for the Thunder on Wednesday. That's when they play the Lakers. Let's say that he decides just to spend a day with his family and then he comes back on Wednesday. If he tests negative today and tomorrow... And Wednesday, that would mean he would be back on the ninth, which is the day the Thunder play the Wizards, which would then in theory put or make him available for the Thunders last two games in the bubble of uh, seating wise against the Heat and the Clippers. So that's about the best case scenario if you're wanting Dennis Schroeder back on the floor as soon as possible. But I mean, Jerry, I'm going to assume that it's probably going to be longer than that. Perhaps even let's just say Next Monday, he returns. That would mean that he's going to miss all seeding games for the Thunder and be ready for the first round. Now, again, the Thunder are locked into the playoffs, so all that really matters is, well, you need Dennis Schroeder because he's one of your better players. It helps with seeding, but there are there is no home court advantage. At this point, the Thunder are just trying to improve, clean up their turnovers, and get the best matchup possible, I guess. But, Jerry, I mean, as we saw today, there are points when SGA has been the initiator of the offense, without Chris Paul on the floor and, of course, without Dennis Schroeder for the foreseeable future, and it's
2: pretty hard to watch. Okay. see Now, how are we switching personalities? Like, and just right in the restart. SGA,
1: uh, a member of the three-guard lineup or just with one of them on the floor is an incredible basketball player, and I don't know why you hate him, but when he's trying (laughs) to run the offense, like, this is is us critique. Like, you tell me. I'm not criticizing you. I'm critiquing SGA. He's just not there yet.
2: No, he's not. Okay, hello. I feel like I'm talking to myself now, which would be a fantastic conversation, by the way. Uh, <laughs> one of the few that I would actually enjoy. Uh, you know, Listen, this is what I've been telling you guys all season long, is that this guy needs to develop an ability to be the number one playmaker. Playmaker. Playmaker doesn't mean that him going to the basket and absorbing. He's been doing that. It doesn't mean to make him the number one scorer. I'm talking about taking control of the offense and knowing... Uh, to speak in football terms, because a lot of our listeners love football, I mean, he needs to read his progressions. And that's the problem that he has. And unlike... Football, or if you have an offensive line at Oklahoma, you have all day, uh, you only have 24 seconds to navigate what your offense is going to be. And the tighter that you play and the more playoff games that you get into and teams start to figure out, they're going to take your progressions away from you. So you're going to have to go to your third and maybe sometime fourth progression whenever you do this offense, and that's where SGA just – there's The only thing that can come is time with the ball in his hand. And that's unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to say it, Thunder fans, didn't happen this season. Fortunately, because they are a winning team and everyone loves a winner. But unfortunately, now that we've gotten to the point where, you know, guys, are, uh, sometime during this game, they became one of the, uh, the team in the NBA who just had all the riches at point guard to, at some point, not having a point guard on the floor, that was weird to watch Lou Dort sort of run point there for a little while. And uh, SGA is just going to have to learn, like, during this time, especially with Schroeder gone, that there is going to be a chunk of minutes where he has to be the playmaker. And uh, like you said, it's, it's, it's something to watch. I've seen a couple of times uh, where there's spurts where he kind of feels it. And, you know, obviously other guys making shots are going to help but he's going to have to put the ball into smart places and and he's developing that as we go along.
1: Yeah and again the thunder after beating the Utah Jazz the other night they shot every like the starters the entire team shot well over 50% from the floor basically from tip Today, they shot 42.5%, and they had to scratch a claw to get over 40%, because you just go through the starting five, guys. Danilo is probably the most efficient outside of Steven Adams. He only took six attempts. He was three of six. Danilo Gallinari was six of 14. We already talked about SGA. He was one of six going into the fourth and then finished, or he went five of seven in the fourth quarter. I don't think he took an attempt in overtime. I could be wrong. Chris Paul... Okay, but the big free throw miss is what everyone's going to remember. He was eight of seventeen. But Lou Dort, in addition to getting cooked, unfortunately, Mister Burton by uh, Michael Porter Jr., three of thirteen. I like Lou Dort. Everybody likes Lou Dort. Even Jerry likes Lou Dort. I don't know I like if Lou Dort. I don't know if you want Lou Dort taking thirteen shots, especially when he is six of those were three three point attempts. He was one of six from three. Now and the I, one he made was banked in. And the, yeah, the one that he made was banked in. I get it when the offense is stagnant, if you got an open look, someone's going to have to find fire. Fortunately for the Thunder, Abdul Nader was that guy today. But I don't know if you
3: want Lou Dort taking 13 shots, Matt. No, definitely not. Um, But, I mean, it was just one of those games where they kind of struggled. They just went through struggle, especially in that second quarter. I keep going back to that. I mean, the Thunder had a chance to, you know, I mean, they ended the quarter up one, but they were down, what, 10? At some point in that second quarter, finally clawed back to go up one. If they if they just stayed consistent in that second quarter, um, we could be talking about a different ball game. And then, I mean, four points in overtime. Yeah, that's, I mean. For the most clutch team in the NBA. The, what, I mean, what is going on there? Four points in overtime. Um, but, yeah, no, L- Nader looks good. Uh, he had the classic, uh, no, 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 okay, good shot. A um, couple threes. That's usually the Abdul Nader That's, experience. That is the, the experience. It's that roller coaster of emotions. Don't that. you guys be
2: hating on the Egyptian microwave?
3: Oh, I'm not at all. I'm just saying that I don't like it when he shoots it, but I like it when he makes it.
2: Uh, are you going to try and start that, Jerry? Are you kidding me? I'm all over that one. Yes. That, that is I so mean, I, I
1: guess you can have it because we'll probably have another good Abdul Nader game in if the Thunder make it to round two. Let's just, you know, that's safe against the Clippers, probably. Um, I don't want to end this segment on a sour note because we've, we've talked enough about this game and how um, – it could have been tragic if, if you're me. It may not have been tra- tragic if you're Jerry. But the Thunder just, they, they lost in sad fashion, let's just say. But we did get some good news earlier today that Billy Donovan was actually named uh, the co-coach of the year along with Milwaukee's own uh, Mike Budenholzer. Um, this was, of course, voted on by the coaches. The media award is going to come out a little bit later when all the rest of like, the MVP, the six Man of the Year awards, those come out. I'm going to safely assume, guys, that Billy Donovan will not be the winner or the recipient of that award. It seems to heavily lean more towards Nick Nurse, uh, guys like Eric Spolscher, Frank Vogel, uh, Mike Budenholzer, of course. But look, Billy Donovan is deserving of this award. He's a, he's deserving to be on anybody's short list for this. But, I mean, Jerry, were, were you shocked when you saw the news drop? I mean, I know you didn't literally see the news drop because Adrian Wojnarowski is actually the guy who reported it first. <laughs> but when at least I retweeted it and then put the story on thefranchiseok.com, were you like, oh, what's going on here?
2: I actually, I actually was somewhat shocked. I will be very honest with you. I was somewhat shocked. And I said, here's what the coaches did. I love it. I love what they did. It's either, and here's what the media is going to do it, they're either going to pick the best, the coach with the best team, which is Budenhauser, or they would pick the coach with the least expectations that did the most, which is Donovan. Well, the coaches got together and they said, you know what, both of them. Just give it to both of them. And it was so tight that, did you hear, was it Nick Nurse was one vote away from making it a three-way?
1: Ah, uh, three-way. Which,
2: by yeah, the three-way way, three-way in 2020. Way, With Budenhauser, Donovan, and Nick Nurse. Uh, That's the definition of a Devil's Three-Way. Someone needs to find
1: that Billy Donovan quote where he just says, yeah, he's got great feet. (laughs) <laughs> and just so, put it in the the potential three-way with Nick nurse and mike Budenholzer.
2: but not only was i shocked about billy Donovan being the co-coach of the year this is a great antidote for once again i was listening to the denver home broadcast in the first half uh and then or it might have been the second half when shea goes in or shea is in with four fouls and he picks up his fifth do you guys remember that yes Okay, I don't know how much was made about it in whatever broadcast you were watching or whatever the conversation was. But when Shea gets his fifth, it's like, oh, man, he got his fifth. Wow, that's a tough call, right? Tough break, I'm sure. Uh, Michael Cage was said, a tough call there, right? And the Denver broadcast, the play-by-play guy goes, first of all, they kept calling him Alexander. They would not call him Gilders Alexander for anything. Alexander with a missed layup. Alexander with a with turnover. Like I kept hearing, and I was like, who the hell is Alexander? And then I was like, oh, oh, okay, that Alexander. Anyway, uh, so the play-by-play go- turns to his color person. Uh, and I had to say that because it, it was a lady. So I don't say I don't if color lady, I don't know. Anyway, he turns did to his Did she color- also
3: talk about her church league? <laughs> she did not. Uh,
2: oh, what a shame. <laughs> I know, 2020 this, is truly. Denver's missing out. <laughs> so he turns to his color person and says, Alexander just picked up his fifth. What was he doing out there? <laughs> That's just bad coaching. And I, thought, <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought some his spotter did not inform this gentleman that that is the co-coach of the year, sir. And I, you know, uh, maybe it was just a bad foul picked up by SGA. But and then two, if you would have told him it was SGA, he would have said, "Who? Oh, sorry, Alexander." Yeah, sometimes notes
1: slip through the cracks, chair. <laughs> <And he laughs> so just,
2: just yes, I was shocked as well as probably. Half the NBA that Billy Donovan got co-coach of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, you kind of mentioned it. Billy Donovan probably got this award uh, from his peers because of narrative expectations. The Thunder had zero expectations. Everybody thought Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, going to get traded. The tank job's going to come. They lost Paul George, Russell Westbrook. Billy Donovan overcame a lot of adversity this year. A lot of it can be attributed to Chris Paul, but while it is a players' league, but. Billy Donovan does have a job, and he did it uh, to a high degree of, I mean, success this year thus far. The Thunder are a team that you hear na- a lot of national people talk. No one wants to play them. I mean, of course, the LA teams don't care, but everybody else, you don't really want to see this team in the first round. They're a well-coached team, and they don't—they typically don't hurt, kick themselves in the foot or shoot themselves in the foot, excuse me, except for when Chris Paul goes to the foul line for a game-winning free throw. Unfortunately, today, <laughs> but. Yeah, that's just how we're going to have to leave it up with Jerry, because Jerry, we're going to let you off the hook to go uh, celebrate your Egyptian microwave and uh, your SGA takes.
2: I will be honest with you, uh, and I heard that I will not get any negative feedback if I decide to opt out of, uh, <laughs> the, of the third segment. you so, another uh, kid? <laughs> I've talked to my agent, and he should let you know somewhere in the next segment that I have decided to, to opt out. So uh, I'm cleaning out all my stuff and uh, getting the hell out of here. Of course.
1: Well, thank you, Jerry, for joining us for two segments, and we (laughs) will let you off the hook, and we will look forward to your takes tomorrow on TV, on the radio, and the franchise players. But Matt Burton and I will be joined by a special guest. We'll just go ahead and say it. Chisholm Holland for the third and final segment on the Thunder First Take Post Game Show. You are listening to 107.7 The Franchise. 107.7 The Franchise. Thunder are Losers? It's because they can't hit free throws. No, I'm just kidding. Just one guy couldn't hit a free throw, but no one's going to be that mad about it because Chris Paul's been clutch and incredible all season long, but unfortunately misses perhaps the most important free throw of the season up to this point. The Thunder lose 121-113 to 113 to the Denver Nuggets. Brady Trantham here joined alongside Mr. Matt Burton. We had Jerry Ramsey on for the first two segments, and then he had to go do something. I, I don't know. Hopefully... Take a shower, but we are going to be joined by Mr. Chisholm Holland from the Triple M Ranch. Well, from uh, probably just now getting home from duty from Lucky Star Casino for the Triple M Ranch. But now, Chisholm, the tables have turned. I am the one asking you questions
0: how the turntable
1: I know I know everything is everything is weird topsy turvy Chris Paul is turning the ball over missing clutch free throws not performing in clutch situations and I'm asking you questions so I'm just going to get get this you know right off the bat you uh we were actually on together for the very end of the game and you were just you know patting yourself on the back basically just because like you were calling out all the the, the right plays that the thunder were going to run I don't know if you had Troy Daniels with the last play for Denver uh, in regulation, but as this game wore along in overtime, were you at all shocked that the Thunder just looked, you know, just like a different team than we've seen all season long in overtime getting outscored 12 to 4?
0: I mean, I don't know about shock. Uh, overtimes are fluky, man. It's, it's a short stand of time, obviously only five minutes in an NBA game. It can go a lot of different directions, and generally things snowball. And the end of the regulation, the Thunder were up 106 101 with uh, just over a minute left, if I'm not mistaken. And they had, I mean, they had a sizable lead, and truthfully, they should close out. The thing we brag about this Thunder team is they're the best clutch team in the NBA. I'm sure that's been talked about on this post-game show already, and they just didn't quite hit that quota. So going in time, I mean, I was prepared to see a team struggle, because you see this a lot, usually in an overtime. It doesn't go back and forth, uh, and you have another overtime, another overtime. Usually one team comes out and looks like hot garbage, and the other one performs. In that case, it was just a Denver. I will say... I thought this was a pretty bad loss, truthfully, because the Denver Nuggets should have been up by 20 early in this game, and they weren't. And Oklahoma City kind of capitalized on that. But Denver was missing their top three ball handlers. You know, they didn't have Will Barr, they didn't have Gary Harris, they didn't have Jamal Murray. And then the game the Thunder should have won. And have the clutch stuff is bad, but really, if we get down to it, they shouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. Their offense was pretty atrocious for large stretches of this game, and. That's to be expected. They've been so hot since they've gotten down to Orlando from the outside shooting uh, to getting to the rim and all those things. They were due to have a regression game and that's kind of what this was for me. I, I, I don't know if I'd look into this too much just like I wouldn't look into the, the blowout of Utah too much. The truth is somewhere in the middle of those two games. They're not quite as good as they looked against Utah and they're not quite as bad as they looked in crunch time day against Denver.
3: Chisholm, uh, I completely agree with you. I don't, I'm not going to put uh, too much stock into this game. I mean, uh, it, it was a tough one, but, I mean, Denver is a really good team, and they're a deep team, and they showed that, uh, missing three of their uh, pretty big role players. Um, speaking of missing role players, how big was it uh, for missing Dennis tonight for the Oklahoma City Thunder? I mean, six-man-of-the-year candidate, um, and I don't know, it just it kind of looked lost. I mean, Shea Gildas-Alexander gets uh, those five fouls pretty early into the fourth quarter, and it could have been a situation where you have Dennis come in for him. Um, dennis, not a team player. Not a team player. My I column. Guess, you know, had to, yeah, my, my column. Uh, babies are more important than <laughs> than championships, I guess. But uh, Chisholm, what what did you make of not having Dennis out there tonight?
0: Well, truthfully, I was kind of ready to do my uh, they do not need dennis Sugar take tomorrow. Because, like I said, I thought they were going to win. Uh, I thought when they were up five, about a minute left, I thought they were going to win the ball game. And it didn't seem like that big of a deal because Haman Diallo played so well off the bench. Maybe not putting up the points that David Schroeder does, but I thought he was bringing energy, played good defense, got a couple of steals, got in transition. He was, doing, he was doing impactful things off the bench. So, truthfully, I didn't chalk it up to too much. Now, what in hindsight you can say is in that first half, when Shea goes Alexander, had the early foul, um, and then also just could not find the bottom of the net, it would have been nice to have another perimeter guy who had the opportunity to score. Uh, maybe could have put in a few extra baskets. Like I said, their offense was so horrendous in stretches. that now that the Thunder have lost the game, it's easy to go back and look and say, well, in those horrible stretches, maybe Dennis Schroeder could have done something. And that's absolutely true. But yeah, he would have helped. And would they have won the game? I don't know. It probably greatens their chances pretty significantly, it feels like at least. But in the moment, in the game, I don't know about you guys, I didn't really feel like he was missing at any point other than those lulls. And then at the tail end, you think, oh, they're going to win this game without Dennis Schroeder. And so I don't want to do the retroactively. I, I thought they needed him the whole time because I didn't. I didn't think they really needed him until it got down to those clutch situations and the team kind of imploded. And I don't know if Dennis going to stop that.
1: Well, Chisholm, we spent, what, two weeks basically saying we can't buy into anything that we see in scrimmages. Blah, blah, blah. They're meaningless. Don't don't buy into Lou Dort shooting 50% or Andre Robertson shooting 50% from the three-point line. It doesn't matter. But when you turn the ball over quite a bit, a little bit more than we, we are accustomed to seeing from this Thunder team than during the regular season before the season got suspended – in these scrimmages and then it bleeds into the first two seeding games they had 21 turnovers in their win against utah they had 15 tonight so they cleaned it up a little bit but chris paul has five turnovers uh sga has three turnovers everybody else basically has a turnover that that registered a minute i mean are you seeing anything like a common theme with these with the sloppiness on offense is it fatigue just not having their legs under them just losing the rhythm i mean what are you seeing out there
0: no, I know. I think that, that the turnover portion of this is a proponent of who they played. If you look at who, turns the, who forces the most turnovers, I guess is what I should say. Utah and Denver are both in the upper tier uh, in the NBA, both in the top seven, if I'm not mistaken. So that's what Denver does. Denver doesn't play uh, sound defense where they're forcing you to have rotations and they're getting you into the shots. Like Milwaukee dictates what shot you take. That's why Milwaukee is probably the best defense in the league. That's not what Denver does. Now, D- Denver is a good defense. Uh, but that's because they force turnovers and they get out in transition. They're trying to play as fast as humanly possible. So Denver's bread and butter really on that side of the floor is not, not giving up layups because they gave up a lot today or not giving up wide open threes because they gave up a lot today. So, okay, see, their bread and butter is forcing turnovers. And so when you're playing a team that that is their primary focus, you should kind of expect that. And truthfully, 15, I thought was a good night against Denver in that regard. And Utah's a little bit of the same way. Uh, they are in the upper tier of forcing turnovers. By the opposing team, so I don't know. I wouldn't look into that too much going forward. If that uh, maintains, let's say you know they play Washington here in a few games. If they if they are sloppy with the ball there and they have eighteen, nineteen, twenty turnovers against Washington, now that should be cause for concern. But you know, if you're playing the Golden State Warriors from 2016 and they hit a bunch of threes, that doesn't mean you're de- their three point defense is bad. That just means you're playing a good three point defense team or three point offensive team. I think this has got a little bit of that same player there, uh,
3: Chisholm. Career high tonight for Michael Porter Jr. 37 points, 12 rebounds. Um, is he the new thunderkiller And, I mean, just what did you make of this guy?
0: Yeah, I did a podcast with John Hamm on his podcast, the OKC Dream Team. We talked a lot about Denver for some really strange reason. I can't remember why. And this summer, John said that he has the potential of being like a light version of KD on offense. And I chuckled to myself. And uh, John pointed out uh, today on Twitter that he was absolutely right. I mean, he's got some of those flares to his game. And now what can he be? I'm not sure. I, I see his length and his athleticism on defense, but I don't see, like, fundamentally sound rotations. I don't see great footwork. Um, I don't see him being a great perimeter defender long-term. I see him being an average perimeter defender long-term. But putting points up on the board, I mean, that's what we knew he could do. The, the question with Michael Porter Jr. and the reason that he went in the last pick of the lottery – it's not because no one thought, ah, his scoring is not going to translate, or his three-point jump shot isn't good enough, or he's not big enough. Or he's not... None of that was the reason. It's because he has a ticking time bomb in his lower back, and we just don't know when it's going to happen. He was the number one recruit in high school. Everyone thought he was going to be the next LeBron James whenever he was coming into Missouri. I mean, go back and read the articles. They really thought he was the next superstar to lead the NBA, and then he had a bunch of back issues, and that's kind of why he fell. So. This is what we should expect from Michael Porter Jr. The question mark is, is this going to be a 2-3-4 Brandon Roy type run by Michael Porter Jr., or is this going to be a sustained success for a long time where he can kind of turn the Denver franchise around? So, was this a coming out party for Michael Porter? Was this a coming out party for Michael Porter Jr. in the NBA? Probably, but if you're someone who follows high school recruiting and college basketball, you shouldn't be shocked. This is exactly the guy we thought was coming into the NBA. Again, the question is just how long he can keep it up.
1: And Chisholm, one more thing before we uh, let you go and wrap up the Thunder first also, team. Also, I
0: just realized he played 44 minutes yes. tonight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy 40, hell. 43 what minutes. he got a minute minutes restriction. Wasn't he in the Zion Williamson treatment where Mike Malone was just refusing him to put, in the, put him in the game and now he plays 44 minutes against the Thunder? That's just about how that goes.
1: Yeah, he plays 43 minutes. Monte Morris plays the second most minutes of any player on either team with 42 minutes and SGA the most with the Thunder with 38 minutes. So, uh, I mean, the, the Nuggets really wanted to win this one because if the Thunder won this game, they would have the tiebreaker. And because the Thunder can technically still grab the three seed, I don't know about now, Houston has a little bit more cushion in between them and Oklahoma City right now. But Denver probably saw this game as, yeah, we need to lock this up and get the tiebreaker over Oklahoma City. But one more thing on the Dennis Schroeder front, Chiz, I just want to get your thoughts on it, because in the previous segment, we did an absolute best-case scenario if he tests negative and decides to come back as soon as possible, and we projected that as he could potentially play the final three, two to three seeding games for the Thunder. But if we're human beings and we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt and just assume he's probably going to want to stay there for a few days, maybe like a week, if he comes back next Monday, he's going to miss all seeding games for the Thunder, and potentially be ready for the first round of the playoffs. Do you see this as this is going to age badly for the Thunder in the short term without Dennis Schroeder? Or do you think that they could possibly find something with SGA? Or do you think they even found something with SGA in this fourth quarter? I believe he shot 5-7 of in that fourth quarter and just exploded and gave the Thunder almost the edge in the game overall. Uh,
0: I I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know if they're really going to find anything with SGA uh, that they weren't really expecting. Just the confidence. Yeah, the team talk so highly of him that I think they know what they think he can do. Uh, It's just if SGA can go out there and pull it off. I guess what, if I was a Thunder fan and I was looking at this, you know, I'm sorry, I don't mean to break news. (laughs) I mean, they're fighting an uphill battle on Wednesday. Like, beating the Lakers is going to be a tough one. That's probably a loss. Well, they should probably beat Memphis. They should probably beat Washington. They should probably beat Phoenix. Really, the only toss-up in my head on the remaining schedule is Miami. Now, that's a game where I think Dennis Schroeder would have been a difference-maker as far as trying to help pull off a win. Outside of that, I think the Thunder are going to win the games they're supposed to without Dennis, and they're going to lose the games they're supposed to without Dennis. Uh, And I don't know if he would have made much of a difference in either one of those regards. So, win-loss I don't think it affects anything. Shea, being a primary ball handler, has been so hit-or-miss that for long-term development, will this make a difference? I don't know if six games can really do that. Uh, but I think, you know, you might see some hot streaks. You might see some cold cold streaks from Shea Gills to Alexander. I don't know if it really moves the needle there for me either way. I, I think the big question is, is this going to hurt that 3 guard lineup that's been so dominant for so long? And obviously they get the big blowout win over Utah, so they didn't have to play that in crunch time. They didn't have to rely back on that. So those guys did not get those minutes together. Uh, and now today with Denver, Dennis Schroeder is gone, and we suppose he's going to be gone for the rest of the remaining of these games. So really, are the first time we're going to see the Thunder's closing lineup, and at that point will be almost five months. Is in the first game of the playoffs, and that would be worrisome for me. That's the bigger takeaway: is that he's going to miss a significant amount of time. And we talked about it. Uh, you know, we've all talked about it. Is if, if you're going to pick a time for him to miss, you'd rather miss those scrimmages that they played last week, not these games, because these games matter. Uh, and those reps are going to be a difference maker. That would be my point. Is just he's not going to be on the floor with Chris Paul and Shea and Danilo and Steven Adams closing out games between now and the playoffs. And does he come back rusty? Or does that lineup that has been so good and such a giant difference maker of why this team is winning, is that difference maker all of a sudden hiccuping? Is it, you know, bubbling like a bad car engine? And that could really lower the expectations for this team. Not saying it's going to happen, but that would be a fear I'd have by the Thunder fans.
1: Chism, good stuff. This was fun asking you questions for once.
0: You know what? You should do it more often. Actually, if you will just start going to the studio and you can host (laughs) the show, but call me for the entire show, that would be great.
1: That'd be awesome. You can just do the show in your underwear like every American wants to do their job. Wait,
0: I was supposed to wear underwear for this? Well,
1: that's actually a good point. You can do whatever you want.
0: Optional. Okay, I'm 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 in the bus, so.
1: Love it. Love it, love it. Thank you so much, Chism. Thanks for joining us.
0: Yeah, thanks, Matt. Thanks, Bertie. Y'all
1: do a great job, man. Appreciate it as always. Thank you. Chisholm Holland on the Little Caesars Hot and Ready Hotline. First time I've ever had to say that, Mr. Burton. I like it. Little
3: Caesars. Hot I ready. like it.
1: You like it, but unfortunately, Thunder fans do not like the result of today's game. once again, Oklahoma City drops their game today to Denver, 121 to 113. It's game number two in the bubble. The Thunder are now one and one in the bubble. They are forty-one and twenty-five overall. They currently hold the 6th seed. Yes, they are 6th seed right now in the Western Conference. Right now, New Orleans and Memphis are playing, so regardless of that winner, it's not going to do much to the standings. But they have a, uh, let's see, a few-game lead, a a 3.5-game lead over the Dallas Mavericks, the 7th seed. They are a game behind Utah, game behind Houston. They have the tiebreaker over Utah and Houston, however, so... No Dennis Schroeder, but the Thunder still have some ground to make up. But, uh, Mr. Burton, thank you so much for joining me tonight and doing an extra hour.
3: Thank you. I appreciate you
1: asking me, and uh, hopefully we get to do more soon. Of course, and uh, thanks once again to Jerry Ramsey for doing the first two segments with us, and thank you uh, to 107.7th Franchise for allowing us to do the Thunder First Take post game show once again. Two post games down, a few more to go, I hope, and then, of course, the playoffs will start. And then... Thunder fans are going to hope for a lot more after that. So everybody, thank you so, so much for listening to 107.7 The Franchise. We'll be back with us tomorrow for the morning show. Todd Nettie will have a lot to say about this game, I have no doubt. But once again, you have been listening to 107.7 The Franchise.